0: Yeah, this is the longest hair I think I've ever had. I'm de- This is the year that I was going to be Aragorn, for Comic Expo. Ah! But uh, it's not. An, I don't. know how I'm going to keep this all year. <laughs> one more year. The goal is to have Mingo as Aragorn, uh, Marisol go as Legolas, and <coughs> go as Gimli, because uh, it's just a wee one.
1: Hmm. Are you going to toss her over
0: things? (laughs) Toss me. Hey,
1: Chris. Oh, hey, Trevor. What are you doing here? (gasps) I've I've come to visit you now that you're free. I know.
0: I've just... (laughs) After three weeks in quarantine, I've just been sitting here on my deck waiting
1: to see if anyone would come by. <laughs> and I did. Oh, what a good coincidence. Hi, I'm Chris Chang and Phillips. I'm, I'm Trevor Chow Fraser. And this is Let's Find Out, a podcast about the history of Edmonton, Alberta, or Amiskwichiwa Skygon on Treaty 6 territory. Uh, Let's Find Out is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. And generally we answer, well, no, we're doing it this episode too. We're answering questions from listeners, except usually we go on like a research journey. But for this one, we had a bunch of stuff that uh, didn't require research for the most part. And also that I don't have time to research in part. So it's kind of a mailbag thing. Want to do a mailbag with me, Trevor?
0: Yeah, this is going to be an adventure for me because...
1: You have no idea what we got. ...what's
0: going to happen. (laughs) So I'm on a research in the field adventure.
1: Yeah. So I'll just um, anything that r- will require like a lot of heavy lifting. I'll just direct to Trevor.
0: Oh, good. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Should I talk about quarantine?
1: <laughs> you were a, a lots of us talk about being in quarantine, but you were legitimately quarantined.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The whole house was <laughs> literally quarantined, um, so we couldn't leave the grounds. we were very fortunate to have a backyard and a front yard. I don't know if we were allowed in the front yard or not, but I didn't want to ask. <laughs> but yeah, we, I mean, none of us had COVID. We were all tested negative, but we still had to um, self-isolate for 24 days. <laughs> oh my God. 14 days plus 10 days. It was It was the maximum possible quarantine. Wow.
1: Because of, yeah, because of a close contact exposure type thing.
0: Yeah. But we're all safe. It's a beautiful end of summer, beginning of fall, that we got to take in from our home.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How how on earth did you keep yourself amused for all that time inside?
0: Right. So in March, when, like, things were shutting down everywhere, uh, daycare closed um, and we were scrambling to figure out what to do, uh, we immediately figured out that Lego is amazing because <laughs> uh, thanks to the goodness of our grandparents, like we could get a 1400 piece Lego set that would take a week to put together. So as soon as we were in quarantine, like. On the way home, we were shopping for Lego <laughs> on the phone, <laughs> and uh, we got, yeah, we got some cool sets. They didn't not not crazy fourteen hundred dollar fourteen hundred piece sets, but they're fun.
1: I picked you up some of that Lego care package. Did you end up getting through all of them?
0: Oh yeah, they only lasted like a day this time, <laughs> but <laughs> but then we're remixing them. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. throw some some uh, Marvel superheroes, some Lego, some basically anything that Disney owns. (laughs) You can just throw them all together. Have some fun. Uh, We also my sister. So she took it particularly hard. She's younger than me. She still has, you know, hopes and dreams. (laughs) Um, But so she took it quite hard didn't really come out of her room the first day. Uh, But on the second day she came out of her room with a set of workout videos from the early 2000s that it was called Sean T. Insanity Workout. (laughs) And she forced me to do this daily shred. Um, It was the only thing that she was looking forward to each day. It was fun. Yeah? Yeah, it was. The first one was definitely insane but then I think he tones it down after like the first one (laughs) yeah it was you know just like suicides um, you know like just like doing one thing over and over until you can't do it anymore
1: that's called a suicide
0: yeah and like uh, fitness parlance suicide is just like feeling really bad in your muscles But yeah, it was like c- lots of cardio, lots of crunches, and we did it we did it out on the back deck, so it was like an excuse to be outdoors. It's
1: cool
0: Can't you tell?
1: Oh yeah, I now that I am looking at see the thing is that Trevor's wearing a couch and sweater right now, <laughs> so the, all the like bulky muscle definition it was just it was covered up now I can see mm-hmm. <laughs> okay um uh chronologically i feel like the one that i i, I wanted to read out first this was from um dan Knaus. um do you remember dan he was on uh he he was on the richie walk last year yeah yeah super memorable yeah um and also uh dan came out to some of our book clubs last year which was really great um so back amidst um some of the the more, like, intense lockdown times. Dan wrote, uh, Hey, Chris, uh, haven't seen anything from you in a while, so think about your podcast and books. Hope you're taking it easy and all's well. I enjoyed the hell out of Poetry Month, doing one or two a day from March 15th to May 15th and cracking into some things I didn't expect and really enjoyed. I haven't spent a day pretty much devoted to writing in just one little thing in ages, but I've felt it building up. This short one was inspired by something from Dougald Hein, Vanessa Andriati at UBC, and The Dark Mountain Project. It also has Northern Alberta microclimates in mind, and thus several of your episodes. So this is a, this is a poem that is inspired by the podcast. Isn't that cool? Are you ready?
0: Yeah. So when he said one a day, he meant poems.
1: <laughs> As a, Wait, what is the alternative?
0: Uh, I don't know. Uh, quarantines. <laughs> quarantines, potentially. <laughs> One is often enough. Collection, poetry collections. Writing a poem. Was he writing a
1: poem every day? I think he was writing a poem every day.
0: Okay, okay, yeah, I got it.
1: Um, So he actually sent this one um, in the context of like a bunch of pictures he took in Jasper.
0: (sighs) That is incredible. You're controlling that screen with your fingers.
1: It's magic. I'm I'm swiping through a bunch of um, mountain photos. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, those those barren, um, rocky landscapes. There's the huge panoramas, beautiful sunshine on the lakes, forests.
1: I love Jasper. Yeah. I love the look of Jasper. Good, uh, good refuge for the summer. Okay, so his poem was, cryptic northern refugia, on one slope sun, the other always snow, in one valley ice. In another, the old life goes on. Mine, the broken promise; yours, to know it was always false. And that is cryptic northern refugia by Dan Knaus. Hmm.
0: What's the broken promise?
1: I don't know. It's. I mean, this is maybe this is the beautiful, cryptic element.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, refugia is the plural of refuges refuge is that it I don't know uh,
1: we do have like uh, someone who studies ecology in the kitchen just over there oh <laughs> okay Hey, Jillian hey Jill, what's refuge you Trevor's sister is in the kitchen making pasta um, she works for CPAS she's really smart she knows a lot about ecology
0: Say? she says it's like data and data datum what did you say about
1: fudgios? it's
0: like fudgy and fudgy so you've got one refugium two refugia
1: oh okay cool all right well thanks dan for the poem Okay. Hey, um, another thing we got. This is just like a really nice letter. This is like a just someone's experience of the pod. There are some helicopters these days. I heard the main it's like one. A plane.
0: Oh, well, I well, only can't be biplanes, but this pro- it's probably not a biplane. Why not? Just... Uh, it's. One wing?
1: Is it refer to the number of propellers or number of wings?
0: Oh, there's the number of wings. Like a Wright right Brother biplane. I don't know.
1: Did I tell you I uh, flew in a Cessna this year? I did a pilot lesson? Really? Yeah. No. <laughs> that must have been wild. It was really cool. Did
0: you have to keep two meters from your
1: co pilot? Oh, God. No, this was in January. Oh, okay. Went out to Villeneuve uh, to the airport there. And, uh, yeah, took a little flight lesson at flight school to see how I would like it.
0: And did you like it?
1: I, I liked it a lot. It was a lot to think about all at once, like thinking in three dimensions and every little twitch did a lot with the plane. And also you're moving so fast that like a little twitch actually takes you in a quite different place super quickly. Um, so I was quite interested to like learn, um, probably cause you know, my great grandpa was a pilot, um, and actually, uh hid airplanes for the danish resistance during german occupation in world war ii and i've like been to the place where there are like all these cool hills that they hid planes between uh yeah so i i don't know there's like a family history of flying also if i want to be an astronaut one day it'd be good to have that under my belt <laughs> but my flight instructor was like great if you enjoyed this only get your pilot's license if you have fifteen thousand dollars to spend on it and it's like it's a pleasure to meet you goodbye. Here, take my house. <laughs> I don't um, I don't I don't own my
0: house. <laughs> yeah. I've uh, a friend of mine from school, like university, um her current, her boyfriend, probably permanent boyfriend uh who I recently met is a pilot, but he's like doing he's doing that part of the thing where he has his license, but he has to get like 10 million hours in before he's allowed to fly commercial or something. Mm -hmm. So he's just always flying. It's just crazy. And you're like, how do you, how do you afford this? Do People pay you to do this? People pay you to just fly? (laughs) Just so you can have the experience? (laughs) It's crazy. Jealous. Yeah, like, can people pay us to make radio just for the experience of it? (gasps)
1: Uh, that's our next campaign. (laughs) Okay, um, we have a letter here from Garnet Borch. Do you know Garnet?
0: Yeah, that sounds familiar. Okay.
1: So, Garnet writes, Hi Chris, I recently binged a bunch of your episodes on a long walk through the Edmonton River Valley, and I'd like to share how much you contributed to a wonderful day. It was a Saturday and my goal was to see how far I could walk along the Edmonton River Valley, starting from my home in King Edward Park near the Mill Creek Ravine. Leaving the house at 8 a.m., I had a last-minute thought to download some more listening material. I recalled that my friend had recommended your podcast and downloaded five or eight episodes. I recognized some of the names of the people in the podcast, and I knew it was going to be good. Walking through the Edmonton River Valley, your episodes on how we relate to nature were of particular interest. I started with the indigenous history, then learned about the dams and gold panning in North Saskatchewan. So he's like listening to our season on how humans and nature shape each other. That brought me to the High Level Bridge, where I started listening to the live episode on how we shape nature. I was thrilled to hear two friends of mine, Luke and Stephen, sharing interesting stories and perspectives, which I still think about. Then things started getting really interesting. I started listening to Kalina country as I was entering the John Jansen Nature Center. I'm one quarter Ukrainian and my mother worked at the Nature Center in her first job after university, so I began to feel very connected to the podcast and the stories. As you were speaking about the highbush cranberry, Pembina Hall, and the relationships between Ukrainian settlers and indigenous people of Turtle Island, I became very intrigued as to what exactly the highbush cranberry looked like. I was certain I was walking by them, but could not recall how to identify. Just then, as I was leaving the nature center, I walked by a plaque with a picture and description of the highbush cranberry. A magical moment. I listened to one or two more episodes as I continued walking, sometimes walking in silence and sometimes listening to another audiobook on white fragility. Eventually, I reached the Anthony Henday and decided to start walking north. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually,
0: I trekked across to, like, BC. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the letter. His letter's not over. <laughs> Uh, eventually, I reached the Anthony Hyundai and decided to start walking north. The last episode I listened to was the one in Jasper. Dylan Hall is one of my best friends, and it was lovely to take a walk in nature with him, as he's currently living in Victoria. My walk ended in a subdivision west of the Anthony Hyundai on Highway 16A.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: He almost got to be
0: Did safe. he make it back to Edmonton? <laughs>
1: <laughs> this, this is just a send-help letter. <laughs> my feet were tired, and my brother was coming to pick me up. I sat down by an artificial lake, thinking about how lovely the day had been, and noticed that the bush beside me was a high bush cranberry. i shared this story with pretty much everyone close to me and continue to find references to it in other conversations. It was a highlight of the summer. Your podcast is so valuable in the connection to place it brings. What other podcasts could I listen to in which I find so many connections to my personal life? And community, Garnet.
0: That's really neat. I'm, uh, tickled. <laughs> I I uh, and I didn't really think of it as something you would binge. Mm. Uh, so I'm glad that it had, uh, like, enough connections. I, I'm i glad that the connections between episodes were fruitful. Fruitful. Uh, uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm cut off.
1: No, that's a great segue, actually, because the next question is about apricots. <laughs> um, so this I was one... I wondering about that.
0: All summer, I was like... Damn, I should go over to a Capilano. Okay. Are you going to tell me something sad? I can see it in your face. (laughs) I'll wait till the end to tell you the
1: sad part. Um, Okay, so this question, I feel like I'll just let you answer this one because whatever. Um, I'll just let you answer this one. Hi, Chris. I just finished listening to your podcast on the Capilano apricots and I was fascinated. I loved it. Oh, sorry. This is from Andrew Guidesh. I just finished listening to your podcast on the Capilano apricots and I was fascinated. I loved it. I came across it as a result of finding out I have a 40-plus-year-old apricot tree in my backyard. This is the first year I've seen it produce. Six apricots! And I previously assumed it was an apple tree that no longer produced. Do you know or could recommend someone I could speak to regarding care and pruning of the tree? I'm located... Well, and then he just says where he's located. I included a few photos to share as well. Thanks so much, Andrew Gaidash. And then he included some photos of his tree and the apricots. Oh, those look like beautiful apricots.
0: Sorry, I'm going to keep saying apricot. Is that it's an like, Ontario thing? Uh, I think it's like a, I want to be an old, my grandmother kind of thing. <laughs> Over time, certain words have shifted in my vocabulary, and <laughs> I don't know why. Apricot is one of them. Um, the picture of the tree in his backyard is beautiful.
1: Yeah, I it's like cool. the stair. Did he build stairs up to it? Like a little tree house? It looks like there are... Yeah, steps to just climb up into it. That's a lot of work just for like six apricots, but you know. That's really that looks cool. Great. <laughs> um, so I don't know actually anything about care um, and pruning of trees. I tried uh, stumbling through a gardening book this year, but didn't do very well. Uh, so I just I figured you're probably an expert on this, right, Trevor? You got crab apples back here
0: i've uh taken up pruning my tree my my crab apple tree over the last couple years it's a hobby wait really i was just trying to put you on the spot (laughs) (laughs) no yeah i mean i'm not an expert (laughs) i i've probably done more damage to this tree than has benefited but uh you're supposed to prune your fruit trees in according to like so one thing is that you can find a lot of websites like extension agricultural colleges and faculty of extension um there's a lot of information especially like in minnesota university of minnesota i think has a lot of good information so i just look online and uh you're supposed to prune your trees in uh the late winter early spring so because you you do it when it's dormant so that you don't hurt it too much and then it's right the time when the sap's going to start flowing and so that that like really heals it fast uh as opposed to like if you did it in the summer uh, when you're going to do damage and then it doesn't have the energy to heal
1: Hmm.
0: i just know that when the sap is flowing that's a good time for it to heal um yeah so the thing is i don't know when late winter early spring is in edmonton Hmm. that's kind of like first week of may right (laughs) so i never know exactly when to do it but uh yeah late winter that's a good time to have a hobby and not have to be stuck indoors so i'll I'll, like just come trim some (laughs) things i spent a lot of time visualizing the tree and like what it would look like once the leaves are in and when when it's loaded with fruit where the like branches will lean to and you want to cut open space to let it breathe inside the canopy uh yeah it's a lot of fun
1: wow (laughs) you wow you've like blown me away i okay trevor is actually really good at this it turns out (laughs) you tried to set me up to fail (laughs) (laughs) um hoisted on my own petard to andrew Gaidash's benefit um andrew hope that helps This episode is brought to you by UnBelt, the Edmonton-based biz that makes the comfiest stretch belts around. UnBelt also makes cloth masks, yay! You're going to need more of those, whether you're heading back to school or just living in a city like Edmonton that requires masks indoors and on the bus. Masks follow all the latest World Health Organization guidelines, they're ethically made right down to their components, and most importantly, they're super comfortable, even if you have to wear them all day. Which, uh, yeah, I have a job like that. Uh, I'm back in the radio station a couple days a week they got a waterproof performance shell on the outside and an organic cotton lining inside. And you can put a filter in between. So if you're looking for new face masks, head to unbelts.ca to order your masks today. Shipping is always free and you can enter the code APN, that's Alberta Podcast Network, APN, for a free mini laundry bag just for Alberta Podcast Network listeners. That's unbelts.ca and enter the code APN. And if you're an Alberta teacher, click Teacher Discount on their homepage for 20% off your whole order. This episode of Let's Find Out is brought to you by the inaugural Yeg PodFest, presented by the Emton Community Foundation in partnership with the Alberta Podcast Network and LitFest, Canada's non-fiction festival. Yeg PodFest runs October 1st through 3rd, and the festival is going to be held entirely online for this first year, so anyone can join in. Events are going to include master classes with experts, panel discussions, feature interviews, more. I uh, happen to know some of the guests that are going to be announced soon. It's going to be really good. Some of APN's podcasters are going to be part of these events, and there are going to be guests from all around the world. Check out the full lineup, head to yegpodfest.ca, that's yegpodfest.ca. Okay, uh, um, Amanda, uh, who did not leave a last name, wrote, uh, hello, I recently discovered this podcast and really enjoyed the series on the Mirama. Great work. My question is about the massive and mysterious building on the corner of 102nd Ave and 119th Street in the Oliver neighborhood. A colleague says it used to be a synagogue, although I believe it's now a residential building. Maybe you've received questions on it before, as there seems to be no lack of curiosity surrounding the building. I, and perhaps others who've been puzzled by it, would be interested to know more about its history. Thanks for your time, Amanda. Um,
0: Isn't it a it synagogue? Da- Danielle Dolgoy, our friend, told me that it was a synagogue.
1: Or a um, fun- funeral home? I forget. I don't know, but you've been to synagogues in, this neighbor, in, in Oliver, right?
0: Yes, I've been to... My partner is Jewish, so we've been to the Reform Shul and the Conservative Shul.
1: Um, And and so this one, uh, that's not the one that you've gone to?
0: Oh, I guess I don't know exactly what she's describing. (laughs) 102 Ave and 119th Street. Yeah, so 102 is above Jasper. Yeah. I think that's a building that Daniel told me used to be a Jewish funeral home or funer- funeral parlor.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: I think I think so.
1: Um, I figured that we would just speculate on it because um, I got big plans for the pod and they're going to take us in some uh, other directions. Okay. <laughs> so, so it would take a while to get to Amanda's question. Um, my speculation is if it didn't uh, used to be a funeral home, then it maybe, uh, what would be the most interesting thing that it could have used to have been? A mausoleum? A pizza hut? Uh, an Chocolate. observatory. Chocolate factory. Chocolate factory, yeah. What about a, uh, what do they call it where, like, you make prosciutto, where you have, like,
0: meats curing? Oh, my God, prosciutto. Every single time there's, that word is on a pizza menu, I always forget that it's meat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Travers I just ordered
0: a pizza yesterday and I had prosciutto. They should just call it bacon. <laughs> it's clearly just bacon.
1: No, but, like, the... Isn't it they feed the pigs, like, some special, like, super bacon. fatty diet? It's bacon. <laughs> um, okay, you ready for the last uh, listener mail? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm
0: excited. Unless this is going to be sad.
1: Oh, right. Did you want to hear the sad part? Yeah. Regarding the Capilano apricots. um, Yeah, so I went back. uh, I I took a bike ride there with Finn. As usual, um, Finn, my husband, was like, why are you dragging me on a bicycle? Um, But I was like, this is going to be romantic and interesting and educational. So I took him to this spot uh, where the three apricot trees grow along 75th Street. We did a podcast about them last year, trying to figure out who the heck planted them, where they came from. Um, so the furthest south tree, tree number one, is dead.
0: Just fully dead. Is just is it like, is it knocked over?
1: It's not knocked over. It's like a husk now. Um, oh. There's just, all the branches are dead. There were zero leaves, nothing.
0: I mean, it was already in not great condition, right?
1: And Dustin said it looked like somebody had like, like stomped on one of the branches and broken them last year and... He said they've potentially had some hard winters and they were kind of old anyway. So, yeah, it might have been near the end of their lifespans. Dustin Bajer, who, you know, friend of the pod, Dustin Bager. Yeah. Uh Trees number two and three, still alive. Uh, not so many of the leaves this year, but uh, uh, still alive. Didn't see any fruit, sadly. Didn't see any flowers either. That's too
0: bad. I've I, I've heard a lot of stories and I've seen, like, you know, old orchards that people like really 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 viciously trim back the tree and then they like grow back really beautifully Hmm. so i wonder if they just need like a really good um horticulturalist to take them on take them under their wing
1: um yeah well listeners um who want to be a gorilla horticulturalist there's a challenge for you
0: Hashtag save the Capilano apricot. Horticulturalists,
1: <laughs> assemble into like a zord with like fruit shapes, like Evans cherry head and and like plum arms. It's nice. Um, okay. Uh, last question is from is signed um, from D. Hi there. Uh, Good job on the basil. Look forward to the next episode. Couple of questions that shouldn't require research. Number one, what are some of the best crops to grow in an Edmonton garden? Best defined as will thrive in this environment versus hard to grow and will not become an invasive species. Number two, why aren't there more sunflowers? Thanks. D, can you guess who this is from? Your mom? That's my mom. (laughs)
0: Did she submit it through uh, like one of those secret
1: apps? <laughs> those <laughs>
0: for journalists. What are the
1: <laughs> encrypted messaging apps? Uh, she she did actually email the main Let's Find Out podcast email address after seeing the, the picture I think from our little the garden update uh, thing I posted last week. Mm.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's your What's your opinion? I don't know much about invasives. Um, I know like in my experience, uh, you know, things that will grow in the cold weather mm-hmm. are great, obviously. Mm-hmm. So like Swiss chard and kale, leafy, leafy
1: greens. Those you like keep, gr- cause you can keep them growing in the fall? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it'll last a bit longer. I like things that don't require, um, starting inside, although I have friends who, often start things inside and then give them to me because they planted too many (laughs) (laughs) but i i mean i (laughs) blessed um yeah like half the garden this year is from uh catherine and and morgana um and uh so i would say zucchinis are the best things to grow in edmonton garden because um uh they're they're easy to grow um, and I can't really see them becoming uh, invasive species. Although we did get two volunteer zucchinis this year in the garden, which is pretty cool. But like zucchinis, I have a hard time picturing them taking over. And they just grow so quickly and they're so beautiful.
0: Yeah. And the the
1: stalks are hollow, Yeah. which I always find pretty neat. <gasps> oh, I forgot I have zucchini flowers in the fridge. I wanted to make some fried zucchini blossoms.
0: Um. So like... I don't know if they're invasive or not, but r- I love raspberries, mm. and they're very easy to grow. But I do—I know they are very aggressive at survive, like propagating. I don't know if that makes them invasive or not. And I know on—I um, assume it's Dustin's website, the, the River City Nursery, Forest City, Forest City Nursery. Mm-hmm. Um, he has something there about like a black raspberry that's local to here. Mm. So I'd love to know if they're invasive, but I mean, raspberries are so good, so easy to grow and they just produce so much delicious fruit.
1: Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could also submit like, um, if you have uh, uh, access to a Northern blazing star or other you know species that are about to become locally extinct, um, then, um, <laughs> then grow them and eat them? <laughs> well, I yeah. mean, you, you don't necessarily... Maybe they're not a crop, but... Um, so my friend Ken, um, he moved back to Edmonton for the summer because he's an actor and he lives in Ontario and, you know, things are a bit slow at the moment. Um, so we, we were like, let's take a fun road trip adventure. So we went to Bruderheim um, where we did... Uh, we did a podcast story about Bruderheim last year about these two two plants that grow in the sand dunes there and there's this cool... Um, You have a experiment uh, to try to help them migrate to the next, like, sandy area where they would be able to grow once climate change is, you know, probably will end up cooking them out of our area. Um, So we walked around for, I don't know, like three hours maybe, picked a lot of blueberries, walked across a lot of sand dunes, avoided a lot of ATVs. It was a very, very cool area. Um, Found zero of either of these plants the long leaf blew it to the northern blazing stars and then I had texted Finn and Ken pictures of these flowers be like spotters guide right and he got like the next day he texted me a picture of that flower in a garden he's like my mom is growing this is this what we were looking for
0: (laughs) Wow she's a hero
1: (laughs) she's a hero thanks Ken's mom for you know protecting this beautiful plant
0: I, I'm i uh, in that podcast episode, did they say that they were going to move them to?
1: Trevor's hand is going farther and farther above his head. <laughs> Lake Athabasca? Yeah, like Fort McMurray area.
0: Okay, yeah, cause, I, cause like one of the things that you do in a quarantine is dream about places you can travel. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm looking at places in Canada that you can travel to. Mm-hmm. And so I hadn't really realized that there's a huge sand dune sea <laughs> on Lake Athabasca that you can only get to by airplane. Uh, like it's only, it's only fly in. Mm. I guess there's a, there's a possibility of boating out, but it'd be a while. And it's like a remarkable, remarkable place. And it's in, the, it's in, the, it's in the
1: here, it's in our area. Here's the plan. 2021. I get my pilot's license. I fly us up to these sand dunes. With
0: Ken's mom's
1: flowers. And then we do the latest round of this assisted migration project. Cool. I'm down.
0: <laughs> would you take me as documentarian?
1: Uh, Yeah, I would make Ken do the labor. Okay. <laughs> um. And last question, why aren't there more sunflowers? Um... Should I field this one or do you want to take this one, Trevor? <laughs> uh let's, uh so the uh we rent my mom's house from her in Edmonton, um is the is why she's asking this. The deal is that uh we can plant whatever we want as as long as we plant sunflowers for her every year. We actually did plant quite a few sunflowers. So so this is like a veiled
0: threat. <laughs> <laughs> better start turning out more
1: sunflowers Chris (laughs) I think we planted quite a few and not only that like uh, I don't the picture that I posted on our website might not show the perspective but one of them is like probably 10 feet tall and has a massive flower head the other one is higher than that one and has not yet produced its flowers and it's the like second week of September right now (laughs) so
0: what is it waiting for do they flower do they bloom late do some of them bloom late
1: in the season i think it'd be a very personal question to ask if this sunflower is a late bloomer (laughs) true okay so um there are a lot actually that's my answer all right yeah
0: so please d be kind to chris
1: thanks trevor he's doing his best um so that's that's all the mail we got for the moment um i have an announcement also that i uh should make uh which is that the richie walk that omar is leading is going to be sunday september 27th there'll be two editions of it at 11 a.m and 2 p.m and uh we're still looking for questions so send us your questions about richie we'll take anything literally let us anything that you're curious about about the richie neighborhood let us know. We'll build a walk around them. It's been very cool in previous years.
0: Yeah, definitely. It was. It's been chilly, even.
1: Uh, 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 uh. It's funny. Pack a sweater. Okay, that's uh, that's it. Is there anything else you want to say, Trevor?
0: uh thanks for having me on the show it's been a pleasure i missed you i missed you too listeners and you chris (laughs)
1: um so yeah we're gonna take a little break in the pod again now that we're done our mirror series sort of warming up for the next thing i've got a class to prep for and then teach this fall um but we do have some ideas cooking so uh yeah stay tuned stay subscribed tell all your friends to listen to the podcast on their long walks and um yeah let's find out is produced by me chris chang and phillips and uh, also by trevor chow fraser and uh you can find all our episodes on our website let's find you can also download them on apple podcasts and stitcher and spotify and whatnot and uh our theme music is by the very pinnacle of loveliness doug hoyer and until next time Keep your questions coming.